Hi, I'm Jackie Jones and welcome to my podcast, Living Life Being Human, the number one podcast for anxiety, stress and mental health support. Don't forget to click subscribe to be notified of my latest podcast episodes. And if you get any value from this podcast, please support me by leaving a review. It really does help me out and it motivates me to keep making these podcasts. You can connect with me on social media at Jackie Jones Coaching and subscribe to my YouTube channel to get weekly videos all around anxiety, stress and mental health. I hope you enjoy this episode. Yeah. Yeah. Hello, guys. Um, hopefully, this is working because I can't see anything. Um, thought we'd do things a bit different today. I know I'm on Mum's page, um, and none of a lot of you might not know who I am yet. So I'll just introduce myself first. I'm Carl, Jackie's son. Um, you might have seen us on the video last week um, about mental health, and um, I've been doing a bit for charity, um, spreading awareness around mental health, um, around PTSD anxiety and depression um, and suicide prevention. And something that came up in that talk me and mum did um, maybe a week ago or two weeks ago was um, why there's such a stigma around men in particular, but anyone seeking mental health. Um, And we had a bit of a chat about it and kind of realized when I thought back to when I was seeking help um, a few years ago, it was quite confusing trying to find out what, what exactly was, you know, I was looking for. And there's so many different titles of, counsellors and psychotherapists and psychotherapy nurses and all this sort of stuff. Um, and then all the different types of therapy you can go for as well, CBT, person-centred, talking therapy, NLP. You know, it's just a bit of a minefield, really, trying to, f- to figure out what, what you actually need to go and get help for. So we thought we'd try and clear a bit of the... all the different types of therapy... It's coming back, man. Yeah, sorry, I've turned it off. Um... And yeah, talking about the, ty- the different types of um, therapy. So um, yeah, so we'll start with, uh, so the, the first thing I've been saying to everyone when I've been doing my lives about spreading awareness is um, to go seek help with the NHS first. That should be your first port of call. Um, so we'll just discuss a bit about the NHS and what, what to expect if you do go with help. And maybe when that might not be the best option or when it is the best option. So um, what do you reckon about the NHS then? When someone went to the NHS with a a specific problem, and what what is likely to happen when they go to their doctor? How long is it likely to take? Will it cost them any money? And what therapy do you think they're trying, not push them down a a sort of path, but what what would they suggest for that person, do you reckon? If I'd say, let's start with anxiety. If I went to my doctor with anxiety, it was sort of I forgot to stage where it's starting to really affect my life. Would I would I just be able to go to see my doctor today and see a therapist today or next week or? No, highly unlikely. Yeah. Um, what usually happens at first? I want to show you a book which is a really heavy book. This is called the DSM five, which has got every single diagnosable mental health condition known to man in it, and this is like the fifth edition. Some things have been took out and some things have been added in. Anxiety as a disorder is in that. So you would be able to access a counsellor or a psychotherapist through the NHS, but the waiting lists are so long. Um, Usually you have to be at crisis points before you can get an emergency appointment with a crisis team. 
so if you wanted to access therapy soon um you would probably need to go private um and what what therapy do you think they'd uh, suggest for the person you, how long do you think it would take how long what to get to see somebody yeah anything upwards of six months some sometimes 12 months waiting list um like i said unless you're at crisis point and then obviously it, it might be that you've attempted to take your own life and gone to a and e or been hospitalized that that would obviously happen quicker i'm not saying that you'd have to wait six or 12 months for that but if you were going with generalized anxiety disorder to your doctors um unfortunately it's usually medication and put on a waiting list to see somebody and it will probably be cbt it will probably be a course of eight to 12 weeks of CBT, cognitive behaviour therapy. Um, they are doing more talk therapy, which I'm not actually sure what talk therapy is because to me, all therapy is talk therapy because that's the whole point of it is that you're talking to um, a counsellor, a therapist, a professional. So I'm not sure what constitutes talk therapy. We've got subtitles coming on in the live, by the way. Have we really? It tends to yeah. do that on the live and it makes up words. Can you turn them off? No, they, they don't show on the replay. I think it is just on the live that it shows them. And then when you do the replay, it doesn't. We've got three people watching as well. Hello, whoever you are. And thanks for watching. Okay, so what? who do you think that would be good for then? Just, just going down the NHS and just waiting out for six months and maybe get eight, eight weeks of therapy and then... Anybody that is, is struggling with anything to do with mental health, I would always advocate going to your GP first off um, to get in the system, if that makes sense. If you can access free therapy, then I would recommend everybody attempting to do that. And I think it's always worth letting your GP know if you are in a place where you're struggling. So, yeah, I would always recommend your GP first and foremost. Um. And obviously it doesn't cost anything if it goes to the NHS either, does it? No, no, no. It, the, the unfortunate thing is that there is a waiting list. And I think at the moment with everything that's going on with COVID, that the waiting list is going to get longer. But and particularly, I, I know some clients have come to me through the NHS and they're not seeing clients anymore. As soon as we went into lockdown, they stopped seeing clients face to face which meant that there was an awful lot of people that hadn't got access to their therapist for the duration of this, which I, yeah, I, I've just switched everything online. I'm still working with all my clients that I was beforehand. It's just online via Zoom now. So the flip side of that then would obviously, if you went private, the best thing about going private would be that you'd be able to see someone a lot more a lot quicker. Yeah, a lot quicker. And it's a, we tend to be more flexible, us private people in private practice. I, I saw a client this morning, so I, I speak to people over the weekend. I speak to people in an evening. Um, whereas with the NHS, it is usually within office hours, uh, Monday to I Friday, suppose. I would imagine. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so next, counsellor, psychotherapist, yeah. psychiatrist. <laughs> Any other winter words Any we can other think ist of? you can think of, or analogy. <laughs> I find it really confusing myself, so I have no idea what it's like for a client to, to look through. Usually the first protocol is a counselling directory. That's where everybody tends to, to look for a, a therapist of some description. 
um, which is a bit in in the first instance council and directory you would think it was just council is on there but there's there's lots of different people on there with different modalities um, so for me a councillor hasn't had as much training or the length of time of their training isn't as long as a psychotherapist a psychotherapist can give counselling as well as psychotherapy but a counsellor can't give psychotherapy if that makes sense so a counsellor is usually looking quite um look that this is the problem and we're working towards the solution and it, it's it's kind of like this is where we are and this is where we want to be whereas a psychotherapist would look at your past your upbringing your childhood any life events that have impacted on you so it's it's more thought-based emotional stuff whereas a counsellor is is more solution focused in in my you know opinion but mm. i'm not an expert and it's very confusing it's person-centered counseling there's gestalt therapy there's body work therapy there's art therapy there's psychologists psychotherapists clinical psychologists educational psychologists it's very confusing um we obviously don't want to start a war saying, saying one's <laughs> better than the other but no. Do you know roughly how long a counsellor um, trains for before they can start seeing clients? Um, a counsellor, I think the training altogether is about two years, but then they can go on to specialise in a different area. It might be um, bereavement counselling, for example. So you might have somebody that just trains as a bereavement counsellor and that's the only area that they can see clients in. Or you might have a general counsellor that then tops it up with, with bereavement on top of it so so they can, they can see clients straight away after two years then yeah and what about a psychotherapist well i could see clients after two years as well um paul has just put a comment up did you should i read them as we're going or not uh you can do okay hi paul um would a doctor tell you what kind of therapist you need I'm not sure, but my first initial thought is it's whatever the NHS are using and it tends to be CBT or talk mm. therapy. Um, that's as, as a, a transactional analysis psychotherapist, I'm not on the register for working with the NHS. They, they wouldn't send anybody to me. Um, and it's purely and simply because it tends to be eight to 12 weeks. There's a beginning, a middle and an end to it because the waiting list would be really long if they were seeing a psychotherapist because it does tend to be for a longer period of time. Not always, but it does tend to be for a longer period of time. So they want to, without, without, obviously the, the <laughs> yeah, NHS. We're not going to slate them. The NHS no. do a fantastic job. Well, that's it. We all love the NHS, yeah. but. But they they need to get people in, fix them, and get them out, don't they? Like they're not they're not going to drag up twenty years of your history and try and figure out what's going on. And, they want to get you fair, on the right path yeah. as quickly as possible. Yeah, and to be fair, some people don't need to do that or don't want to do that. I think CBT works particularly well with men sometimes because they are quite solution focused. Um, but as a psychotherapist, I've seen a client for two three weeks and it was life-changing i've seen other clients for four or five years i see clients that come for a period of time then everything's fine and life will throw them a curveball and they come back again just to offload just just to speak to somebody in a safe environment that's unbiased and non-judgmental and that that can be amazing for some people so should we start going through some of these then so cbt 
Cognitive how would you just behavior therapy? Yeah. How would you describe that? Who's it suitable for? How long does it take? It's usually eight to twelve weeks, and who is it suitable for? It, it is used with anxiety. Um, it, there's there's an awful lot of work that you do outside the therapy room, um, looking at maybe you know living your life as you normally would for a week, but taking note of when you feel anxious, what your what are your thoughts around when the anxiety is happening, and then you would go back to speak to your CBT counsellor and work through that, and then come up with a plan. And it might be that you push your comfort zone a little bit every week and see how you feel and go back and feed back and discuss it. And, and that's kind of how it works. So it could be around anxiety. It could be around depression. It could be around sleep problems. It could be, you know, really, you can use CBT for anything, really. Mm. But you usually come up with a plan with your therapist after you've looked at what your thoughts are around it. They, they tend to do a lot of things about... Um, different thinking styles, unhelpful thinking styles, negative versus, you know, mindset things. How you talk to yourself. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Um, so who do you think that will be suitable for then? Anxiety, PTSD? Yeah. I, I, depression? I'm going to say that overarching all of this for me, and this just is, is my opinion, I can't say that one type of therapy is better than another. To me, it's much more important that you have somebody that you relate to that you can connect with so often people will see a therapist and stop because they don't like that person or they don't get on with that person and just poo poo therapy altogether and often it's it's that it's the wrong person and you know i'm sure that's happened to me and i wouldn't take it personally i know that i can be a bit like marmite and some people get me and some people don't that doesn't mean i'm a rubbish therapist it just means that we didn't connect mm. I think that's the thing with the, how much confuses are there all these different terms and stuff because when I was going through my stuff you know I knew I had anxiety PTSD panic attacks so I was just scrolling through people's um, website just looking for them three things because I didn't understand the rest of the stuff so I think what we've been discussing is it's not necessarily the type of therapy it's just it's more the therapist and the fact that you know they're going to talk and get you to a place where you're you're happy and yeah. And sometimes we we had a conversation before when I was doing my training and I was making business cards. The chap that trained me said I shouldn't put my picture on my business cards because people will make assumptions about me on my face and my picture. Whereas I would like to know who I'm who's going to open the door when I knock on that door for that first appointment. That that would make me feel more comfortable. And as human beings, we connect differently. Some of us are thinkers and quite logical people. I'm a logical person. Others are emotional. So you need to connect with that person in that room. There needs to be a trust that you can build up in a connection, a therapeutic relationship. Um, should we go on to talking therapy? What's that? Well, as I said before, to me, all therapy is talk therapy. I think it's just a new term that they've used. That, you know, CBT was the be-all and end-all, and then other things have started to sneak in now, so they've, they've labelled it talk therapy. But if you're in a room talking to somebody, then is that not talk therapy? I don't know. I'd suggest so, yeah. I think so. <laughs> Person-centred, is that different to talking therapy, or is that the same thing? <laughs> 
person-centered and this is only my understanding i did do 12 months of person-centered therapy and it is led by the client um so the client talks about what they want to talk about in the session there, there is a plan but it's it's client-led whereas in transactional analysis which is what i do you do kind of come up with a therapeutic plan you know obviously the, you talk and there's communication between yourself and the client but you come up with a plan you know where do you want to be where do you want to you know how will you know when you've got to the place that you want to get to mm. seems strange to uh to be led by the client when they're going in for help for them to well obviously the clients are trained and you can you know negotiate things but yeah I, I, one of the things that stuck with me when i was doing my training and it is going back a long time so things might have changed was that i was told that i needed to leave myself outside the therapy room in other words i couldn't bring my personality or my personal stuff into the therapy room it was it was very much focused on the client and i struggled with that because to me that's part of the connection that's part of the therapeutic relationship and if i've got something that i think from my background and, and what's happened to me that will be helpful for the client, then I would like to be able to share that. It's not that I spend 50 minutes talking about myself, <laughs> but if I've experienced something similar, sometimes clients just want to know that what they're feeling is normal. You know, and if I've been in a similar situation and I felt a similar way, then to me that, that normalizes it. And that can be, you know, quite comforting in a session. Yeah. Um, what about NLP? What is that? NLP, Neuro Linguistic Programming. Again, that's that's very thought focused. They, they tend to look at um, your belief system. Um, you know, the thoughts that we have. Again, it's it's a lot around mindset. Um, I think a lot of entrepreneurs like NLP because it, it's it's kind of like bang, bang, bang. This is what you do. This is how you get there. And there's lots of goal setting. Mm. And it's it's quite closely connected with um hypnotism as well being you know hypnotherapy i trained in nlp and part of that was hypnotherapy training so you can really put yourself in the future imagine yourself being successful imagine yourself having that family and that big car and that you know the life that you want so it it's it's really focusing on the dream the, the end goal mm. and feeling it feeling like you've already achieved it and what do we need to do to get there? So would you say that's useful for someone with anxiety or depression? Or... Um, yeah, I think I think everything's useful for, for most things. It's just what fits best for you. I think that's more motivational. Um, a lot of athletes use NLP. You know, they, they call it the circle of excellence, where you literally imagine yourself on that podium after you've run that race, and, mm. and you anchor it, you anchor that, feeling that you've already achieved it and then th that's what you're working towards and i've used anchors with clients before now it can be quite useful what's an anchor can you describe an anchor um like i say if you've got a they call it the circle of excellence where you imagine yourself on that podium or if somebody's got a presentation coming up in work and they've got to talk in front of a lot of people you imagine yourself up on that stage and everybody's cheering and it, you know, you've, you've just knocked it out of the ballpark. Everything went brilliant and you anchor that feeling. So you've really got to get in the zone. What can you see? What can you smell? You know, can, what are you warm? 
all that and an anchor can just be something like that where you touch your thumb and your finger together while you're in that state and the idea is the more you anchor it then when you're feeling nervous or overwhelmed you can do that which <laughs> you can do that and it takes you back to that frame of mind so it can be quite useful mm. Does sound a bit woo-woo as well. It does sound a bit woo-woo, but if you imagine you suffer from anxiety and you get yourself in a nice relaxed state where you're on a beach somewhere and the sun's shining down on you and you're really calm and you can hear the waves and everything and you anchor that feeling, then at a time of stress or anxiety, if you anchor it and you can go back to that relaxed state quickly, that can be useful for some people. Mm. So can you think of any other sort of terms of therapy that we've... Yeah, like I said, if you just go on Google and type in types of therapy, there will be streams. And I'm not an expert on, on any of them by any shape of the imagination. Um, so, what, go on. so what does someone look for then if I've got anxiety and I'm sat there Googling? What, what do you think someone should actually look for when they're searching out for a therapist? Well, again, it depends what sort of a person you are. For me, I know if I was scrolling through the pictures, I would look at the person and what resonated with me and what didn't and then see what they're, you know, they're trained in. But the main thing is don't be put off. If you go for therapy and it, it's, it, you, you don't get that connection, you just feel like it's not working, don't give up on therapy, try somebody else. Mm. That's the worst thing is when you don't have that connection and you think this therapy isn't for me. It's it's not therapy isn't for you. It's that one therapist maybe wasn't right for you. Yeah. And, it, you know, women might want to see women. I know when I think UK is one of the only countries where when you're doing your psychotherapy training, you have to have personal therapy. So for four years, I had to have personal therapy while I was doing my training. That's that's what you have to do. And I saw a woman and it didn't always work very well for me. So when, once I'd finished my training, I switched and went with a man and he was brilliant. I don't know what the difference was, but literally as soon as I walked in, I felt at ease and that I could trust him. And it just clicked literally from the get go. That's the feeling that you want to have with a therapist. So it might not have been the fact it was a man versus woman. It was just a different different, different pers yeah. personality and sometimes you can't put your finger on it that's why i i you know don't give up after one and and most therapists like me i i one of the first things i always say to people that contact me especially now because it's online is you know i'll arrange a zoom call and we'll just have a chat for 20 minutes that's it just an informal chat for 20 minutes and see how you feel and then they don't need to go any further if they don't want to mm. it's putting a face to a name and just seeing how you feel You've got to feel comfortable. Yeah, so that was my next question then. Um, what can someone expect from first session? You know, we talked about the stigma and stuff, and maybe men, maybe men are scared to see a therapist, or they don't know what to expect, or you know, it's just a big, a big mental block there. What, what can they actually expect from a first session? Well, obviously, is, is it something? Is it something to be scared of? Is no. should they be ashamed of it? No. It, Do I not scare Should there be a stigma around it? No. Um, I can only talk for what I do in my first sessions, whether that's online with, with Zoom or, or if I'm seeing somebody face to face. And I would always get them to come and just have a 20 minute chat. And we just there's a bit of background information that I get from them. You know, what's the reason why now? What's going on? And we have a chat. If I was seeing them face to face, there's always a cuppa. 
they can have a cup of tea or coffee and sit and it's just a, an informal chat to start off with because as as well as them seeing me and getting used to me i need to make sure that i've got the skills that i think they need and if i don't think i'm able to help them i will refer them on i won't just see anybody that walks in through the door if that makes sense yeah so who do you, what do you think uh, you wouldn't people that wouldn't be suitable for you to see then people that example? wouldn't be suitable for me were people that were at crisis point that you know and they've got to be invested in their therapy sometimes and particularly men and i don't want to stereotype but i've had quite a few gentlemen come and see me um and they've been sent by their wife or their partner <laughs> That, that's not the reason to go to a therapist. If you're doing it because somebody's told you you have to and you're just going through the motions, then you're not going to get anything from that. Um, so that informal chat is is about getting to know the person. Obviously, it's only a first meeting, so I can only go off what they're talking about. But if mm. somebody's at crisis point, if somebody's at danger of taking their own life or harming themselves or somebody else, then I would refer them on to a GP. Um, so if, if you're seeing, um, a gentleman, would you, would it be ethical for you then to see his, his wife? If she, if she got in touch with you? No. Um, if, if Why not? it would be a conflict of interest, um, I would happily see a husband and wife together as a couple. And if they were in agreement with it, I would see maybe them as a couple, together one week see the wife one week see the husband one week see them as a couple again but it wouldn't be ethical for me to see the wife on her own all the time and a husband on their own all the time it will be a conflict of interest it's important that the client feels like they are the center of the therapeutic relationship and i couldn't do that if i was seeing two people it's like uh, parents parents will bring their children and we will see them together with the parents and the child but then i might see the child on their own i might see the parent on their own but they know that i'm seeing the other person so there has to be a collaboration yeah so leading on to that then a confidentiality would you would you like to explain about the confidentiality and would you talk about your therapy sessions to your neighbor or yeah. <laughs> someone down the road the, the only occasion that i would speak outside of the therapy room about it is if i thought that the client was likely to harm themselves or harm somebody else and that's written into the contract that the clients sign before i see them is that when they're seeing me they they literally sign that they will not harm themselves or anybody else and that they don't come under the influence of alcohol and drugs and that they don't throw anything hard at me when they're in the room. <laughs> Which, soft things, I've done that with clients before now. I've given them a couple of cushions and they've lobbed them up the corridor and, and screamed or whatever, which is fine. But yeah, they, I need to keep myself safe and I need to make sure that my client is safe as well. So that you get the clients to write a contract? They sign, they read a contract and then they sign to say that they won't harm themselves. And that, you know, if somebody's feeling at the end of the line, that can be enough just to make an agreement with me and we renegotiate every week. So they might only be able to make that agreement for a week from Friday to Friday. I promise I will not attempt to hurt myself. 
Mm. Then we recontract the next week and do it for another week until they feel comfortable enough and in a better place that they can do it for a longer period. But there has to be trust. I have to trust that the client will not harm themselves. So you said earlier you wouldn't see someone at crisis point, but but someone maybe that's thinking about taking their own life, would you see them? It's it's an iffy one really because often it comes up a few weeks in therapy. You, you know, people won't knock on my door and say, I'm thinking of killing myself, can I come and see you? That's not how it works. But them, after they've started to build up a relationship with me, they might start to talk more openly about having thoughts of ending their life or thoughts of how that might happen. Um, and it, that's quite normal. We A lot of us will have thoughts about that. That doesn't mean that we're going to do it. But it's important for me in a therapy session that, I'm comfortable to talk about that in the session with the client and the client is openly talking to me. Mm. It's, it's not a secret. It's not something that I would want a client to keep from me. It's not like I'm going to say, oh, well, if you're doing that, then you, you know, you're out the door. Don't be talking about doing things like that. That's not how it works. No, that wouldn't be great. <laughs> not at all. <laughs> and, <laughs> and when I started off, that was, that was a scary thought that, that was, you know, a, a big thing for me when I first started off that, that people would openly talk to me about things like that. Yeah, you've got to build up trust for them to be Say again? I said you've got to be able to build up the trust for them to be able to open up about stuff like that. Definitely, yeah. And and I always say to clients, there there is no judgment. There is nothing that they can't tell me. Um, I was going to say that I could write a book, but I wouldn't do that because that would break confidentiality. But th there is no rules in the therapy room other than, you know, there's, there's no self-harm. You don't hurt me and you don't hurt yourself. So people can talk about anything. And often one of the things that clients say to me is, when I say it, it doesn't sound like a big deal. It doesn't matter. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? People sometimes think that they're just whinging in therapy. That, that's, that doesn't matter. I won't judge anybody. And what one person can deal with and cope with is completely different to somebody else. We're all unique, every single one of us. Mm. Um, we've not spoken about the uh, price, how much, so obviously the NHS is free. How much can someone expect to pay seeing a private therapist? It varies. Again, you know, some people do do low cost um, clients. If somebody's on benefit, there are therapists that, that do that. Um, and it, it varies from sort of £40 upwards. There are people, I was listening to a podcast last night, a chap that I thought was absolutely brilliant. And I went on and looked and his one-to-one -one coaching was £300 for 50 minutes. So it, it, it varies. You know, the middle of Manchester, client, um, clients usually pay more than what they do. I'm in quite a rural area, so I don't tend to charge that much. And plus, I want people to be able to access it. That, that's my big thing. That's why I do training. That's why I do these lives. That's why I have my Facebook group, because I, it's not therapy at all, you know, on a Facebook group or training, but it's a way of people accessing support. And that, that's really important to me. Um, is there anything else you can think of, reasons why someone wouldn't see a therapist or why there's a bit of stigma around it? Or? I, I think 
it people just just need to pick up the phone and just just make that that first call that's all it is you know do that half an hour session do that half an hour chat most therapists will will offer an introductory session at a low cost and just see what it's like familiarize yourself with the the, the room you know it, I, I can remember when i had my first therapy and you probably remember as well you don't know where you're going you don't know the person who's going to open the door you, you're not familiar with the room you don't know how it works are the rules what do i need to do when i sit down do they tell me what I've got to talk about or do I come up with what I'm talking about? And are there any rules? Do I, do I need to do certain things when I'm in therapy? F ask questions, find all that information out. Paul has just asked, how long is a session usually? It's kind of like a baker's dozen. A therapy hour is 50 minutes. So I think that's so that therapists can write up notes and, and things in that extra 10 minutes for the hour um, but yeah usually it's 50 minutes that I see clients but I won't stop it dead at 50 minutes Are there any more questions? Um, not anything else that's popped up unless anybody's got anything um, but yeah you, you, can, you can ask me anything put me on the hot seat and, and test me out <laughs> that sounds good what did you think when you saw your first so tell me about your first session what was it like it sounds awful but because i've been doing this for years now i'm quite comfortable with it but i am aware that it, it's a big deal that first session for people to walk well even to pick up the phone yeah it's like we said all the all the terms and everything i didn't have a clue what what i was looking for what to expect um and what i needed for myself and yeah. Can I just, just say like just... that Sarah Jane's put amazing counsellor jacket? And I didn't pay her to no. say that. Thank you, Sarah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Andy Farrington, thank you. Uh, loads of great advice. Oh, brilliant. Um, yeah, if you've got any questions, if there's anything that anybody wants to know, then ask away. I'm, I'm an open book. And like I said, mm. I know I'm a bit like Marmite. And the other thing I wanted to say is therapy doesn't need to be really heavy. You wouldn't believe some of the conversations that I've had with clients and we laugh and we cry together sometimes and it's it's a powerful thing. I I used to think that I couldn't show emotion with clients because I, I was the one that was supposed to be in control but sometimes I get really touched by client stories and especially when when they've they've shifted, something shifted in them and that, that can be really emotional and that's a nice connection to have with somebody, an intimate connection. Mm. That's, that can you said, be priceless. You said earlier about, you know, some people, something switches in a, a couple of, two or three sessions and they can go away and live a happy life, you know, and it could be something traumatic they've just got through in a few sessions. Yeah. But someone else can come for months and months there's another question. Sorry, I'm looking down here because I'm yeah, rubbish no. at reading. What would you recommend to someone who is running out of counselling options? That's an interesting question because I'm not sure how you can run out of counselling options. Um, well, that's the thing. What, what options have they tried? And um, Yeah, this is an is open it... group, so I just need to say that, that they need to be mindful that this is an open page that things are put in there. Um, I've tried EMDR flash therapy and talking therapy. So I would imagine that there's something specific there that you're looking for help for. 
again, it's it to me, massive changes can happen with the right person. The type of therapy. There are some that are advised. I know you did a lot of research, Carl, about post-traumatic stress disorder. Um, mm. And I think a lot of those are used for that. But sometimes it's that, that real deep connection with somebody that can make you just... For me, you just need an insight. Something needs to click. Something needs to go in that just makes sense to you. And that can that can be the switch. That can be the thing that makes a massive difference. Um, I don't really feel like I'm getting anywhere. Then maybe change. Yeah. And, and the it's other... like we said, the talking therapy could be that you're just talking, you know, just talking, you know... Depends on the therapist. They might not be giving you any action points or trying to steer you. Or if it's person-centered, they could just be talking about their problems, and maybe a therapist isn't having much input. And yeah, it, it's. I firmly believe, even though I'm trained in transactional analysis, which has got lots of theories and diagrams, and this is one that I always show to my clients because I quite like it. It's called the Drowning Man, and it's about drivers. Um, drivers that you know that's how our behavior is in injunction there's loads and loads of things like that and I love it but overarching all of that is that we are human beings and we are quite complex characters our thoughts create our feelings a lot of it comes from inside us and we can have an insight somebody can say something to us and it's like that light bulb goes on and excuse my French I'm going to swear but it's like oh shit I never even thought of it that way that can be enough to change your path. So it's about really connecting with that person. No holds barred, no filters, no judgment, just letting it out and something will click. Don't ever give up on therapy. Don't think that you've run out of, of counselling options. Big one for me was that they were trained in more than one thing. So I, w I wouldn't go for a counsellor that was only trained in talking therapy. I, I was trying to look for someone that's got you know, I wanted to see loads of qualifications that they were, and they were trained in CBT, NLP, you know, talking. And my my thought behind that was, you know, whatever problems I go to, them, hopefully they can pull out a different, you know, lots of different tools out of their toolbox and throw hopefully, them at you, throw everything yeah, at them. And hopefully I'm, something will fix yeah, it. Yeah, well, that's it. I, I'm qualified in NLP and hypnotherapy. I don't use hypnotherapy. Um, I'm not sure whether I should say why I don't use hypnotherapy, but. I don't use it necessarily. For me, I, I touched on it earlier on, the client has to be invested in it and it's not my job to fix the person because this is going to sound awful when I say this, but I don't believe that the person is broken. I don't believe that anybody is broken. They're just not in a good place and they can't see clearly. It's, they just can't get out on their own. They, it's like the sun is always behind the clouds. There could be tornadoes and rain and crap and all sorts of things happening. The sun is still there. That's our innate wellness. That's our okayness as human beings. We are all, we're born okay. We just, shit happens. Life throws us a curveball and we just lose sight of that okayness. So I, I don't feel it's my job to fix people. It's my job to point people in the right direction. Alan Duxbury, hi, hi uh, Alan. Um, how does someone know when they need therapy? Good question. Many people rely on religion, some on drugs, some on alcohol, and some just get their therapy from a best friend. But TA seems a bit like a system flowchart, which by definition has to cover all possibilities. 
So have you ever had a situation where TA somehow hasn't applied? No, because transactional analysis is the analysis of transactions. <laughs> so basically what I'm doing is just looking at how people communicate with each other. Um, that, that's the basics of it. Um, so yeah, it, as long as we're making connections with another human being, then transactional analysis can be used. But as I said, I, I'm really interested in what makes us human beings tick. Um, that, I just find that really interesting. And I do agree, a lot of people deal with the symptoms of, of lots of things by self-medication, whether that is through alcohol or drugs. Um, it's kind of like we're downstream dealing with the issue. So if if we're anxious, if we're stressed, if we're overwhelmed, if we're suffering from something, it's like we're downstream dealing with the flow of water that's coming at us and all the rubbish where we need to look upstream. We need to look at what came before that, if that makes sense, rather than just dealing with the symptoms through medication or through alcohol or drugs and i i'm not for medication or against medication medication can be really helpful but i would always suggest both therapy and medication i'm not i'm not anti and i'm not pro some people need medication some people don't um yeah someone said to me yesterday that everyone needs their their church what Everyone needs a church? church. That's it. Exactly right. A therapy room can be a church. It doesn't need to be a religious church. It all depends. And that's one of the things that, that I look at is, is it is it religion? Is it a higher being? Is it knowing that we're part of something bigger? Everybody's got their own belief system and that's fine. I'm not one to, to agree or disagree with it. I'm quite neutral. Yeah. Is that the local football club or the local rugby club? Or Exactly. Alan's just put, thank you, I needed a shot of Lancashire. Alan lives in America now, but he's from Whitley Woods originally, so he just needed to hear my voice. Um, so, yeah, sports and, and exercise is a brilliant way of, of you know, therapy. And, and, you know, Alan said... Especially, like, club, especially club environments. Yeah, yeah, that's support. Where you belong, belong to a group. Yeah. Um, Alan mentioned in there as well about talking to a neighbour, you know, that we used to have good old fashioned counselling and therapy over the garden fence when neighbours talk to each other. There's nothing like the school gates for, for peer support where you get a group of mums together all just having a, a bitch, so to speak. But but we don't we don't interact with people like we used to do. No. Unfortunately. Why do you think that is? I think because we've we've moved away from each other. You know, often people don't even know who lives next door. We've become quite insular. Um, as families, we're more geographically dispersed. It used to be that you moved in with your mum and dad and then auntie lived at the bottom of the road and families stayed together, whereas economically and for jobs, we move area and countries even. So we, we, we lose that contact. What are you writing down? What are you doing? Just um, we spoke. <laughs> we spoke earlier about people on, you know, at crisis point. And I wanted to make sure we had a sort of avenue to send them. Obviously, the GP isn't the best place to send someone at crisis point. No, no. So I've been doing a lot, of spreading awareness about the Samaritans and um, 
raising money for them. So I was just going to say, I've got the GP, uh, NHS 111, but if you're at crisis point, the best place for you to turn to is the Samaritans, I think, because you can call them 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure they have, they have links to the, you know, the local crisis teams and stuff. So they can get you a fast track solution. You know, if you are, if it's midnight and you're thinking of taking your own life, you, you should call the Samaritans and hopefully they can, they can fast track you into your local crisis team and, um, get you that help that you need a lot quicker than seeing your local GP or ringing NHS 111. Um, I will share my donation page as well after this. Yes, feel free. Because <laughs> I'm still, still um, trying to raise money for the Samaritans because of what I've just said, you know, when, when you haven't got, you've, if you haven't got time to see a GP or, you know, you might, you might not have money to see a, a therapist or, they can't wait till tomorrow or next week. And, you know, the Samaritans are the places you should turn to. Um, so, you know, seven days a week, 24 hours a day, they're there for you. And also, I was just going to write down the, um, spoke about um, support teams as well. That can be a good avenue for a lot of people. Um, maybe the person that commented earlier that they've tried, you know, they feel like they're running out of options. They've, they've tried the therapist one-on-one. I've tried a few different techniques. Maybe if it's, you know, a severe form of PTSD or something, they could get some benefit from a support group. If if a soldier's been on the front line, maybe talking to the people that's been in that situation could help. Or um, bereavement, you know, talking to people that, that have been through a similar sort of bereavement to yourself. Maybe try and access a, a local support team. Yeah. Alcoholics Anonymous, if you're an alcoholic or gambler, you know, Gamblers Anonymous, stuff like that. That can that can be another avenue for people if they're struggling with just seeing a therapist or Yeah. And it's about knowing that you're not you're not alone. There is there is always somebody to talk to. And I think, you know, men men like to be around other men that have, have experienced similar things. There's there's some sort of camaraderie there and all it takes is one voice, one voice to to speak out and it's like with you, you've had people contacting you that have known you for years that didn't know that you'd suffered from post-traumatic stress disorder or anxiety and suddenly you're talking quite openly about this and it's giving other people the opportunity. It's an open door. You know, yeah. I'm happy to talk about it and, and I'm really proud that you've done that. Mm. Yeah, it's like I was saying the other day, it's, um, at the time I, I probably I wouldn't have spoken to my mates about it really or you know, I wasn't going around telling everyone about my problems, but now looking back on it, and I'm not in that situation now, it's quite easy for me to talk about it. And, you know, obviously I don't, you know, before I, I dealt with it myself, you know, I was kind of like one of the people was like, oh, you know, mental health, just, you know, pull yourself together and, you know, toughen up and stuff. And But until you've been in that place, it's, it's, it's hard to... Um, there's nothing about toughening up. It, you know, mental health and physical health. If if there's something wrong with you, if you break a leg or you've got a cold or a kidney infection or when you pee it hurts, you don't think twice about going to the doctor. If you have a thought that hurts, then see somebody that can help you. You know, yeah. mental health is just as important as physical health. And and the sooner the sooner we all wake up to that, it does it's not a sign of weakness. You know, and it takes some balls to actually pick up that phone and make that first phone call to go and speak to somebody about mental health. So I applaud 
anybody that that does it and you can build up some fantastic relationships and like i said i've laughed and cried in therapy sessions you know it, it's it's a wonderful it's a wonderful thing to share a journey with somebody yeah i was kind of thinking about this earlier i wasn't going to mention this but it's quite hard to imagine and this is why i think it's so important that we talk about the stigma and we try and get rid of it because you know there's guys that have fought on the front line you know they've been shot at they've had you know they've, they've had their mates killed and stuff and they they would rather take their own life than speak to a therapist and it's just it's hard to imagine what you know what that person's going through and why why they can't you know open that that door or, or pick up that phone and it's you know whatever we can do to help these people we need to do it and whether that's spreading awareness or whether that's ringing your mate up or yeah. trying to look for the signs and symptoms or, you know, whatever we can do, we need to, we need to try and help these people because it's just heartbreaking that they, you know, like I said, they'd rather take their own life than, than call a therapist. That, that, it, it, literally, it, it breaks my heart. I'm not a specialist in post-traumatic stress disorder um or complex post-traumatic stress disorder at all but i'm i'm happy and my door is always open but don't don't ever feel like you've run out of options there is there is always the next option and one of the things with therapy and and the three principles that i use is all it takes is one thought you're one thought away from your next thought and if that thought that you're having is about harming yourself or taking your own life just wait for the next thought there will be another thought. And just keep trying. If one's not worked, pick up the phone and pick another one. It's probably the, the therapist you weren't connecting with. Or, yeah. And know. it's not personal. We connect with some people. Some people resonate with us and some people don't. And it, that's not personal. That's just how we communicate. My mum used to say they come from a different tribe. <laughs> they smell different. There's something different about them. Whatever it is, we just don't connect with some people and that's okay. Yeah. So I hope so, that's helped. Yeah, I hope it has too. Um, feel yeah. free to contact me at all with anything. I'm happy to answer any questions. And if people have shared this on other people's, you know, walls and stuff, they might not know you and your page. And where can people contact you if they need to get hold of you? Um, I'm Jackie Jones, and you can contact me on Jackie Jones Psychotherapy and Coaching, or you can find me on my website, which is Jackie Jones, spelled J A C C I just to be different, .co.uk. So, yeah, share this, guys, if you think or it could help. Or mum, you can find me through him. Yeah, message <laughs> me and I'll, I'll forward you on. She won't, talk to you about, she won't talk to me about your promise. No, no. Thank you very much, guys. Take care. Take and, care. Um, Have a good week. Seek, seek help if you need it through one of the avenues we spoke about. Bye. Bye.